Moran, naturally, did not mean to help in the carrying out of the plans, which would mean his destruction, one way or another. The plans were thrashed out very painstakingly in formal conference on the space yacht Nadine, with Moran present and allowed to take part in the discussion. From the viewpoint of the Nadine ship's company, it was simply necessary to get rid of Moran. In their predicament, he might have come to the same conclusion. But he was not at all enthusiastic about their decision. He would die of it. The Nadine was out of overdrive, and all the uncountable suns of the galaxy shone steadily, remotely, as infinitesimal specks of light of every color of the rainbow. Two hours since, the sun of this solar system had been a vast, glaring disk off to port, with streamers and prominences erupting about its edges. Now it lay astern, and Moran could see the planet that had been chosen for his marooning. It was a cloudy world. There were some dim markings near one lighted limb, but nowhere else. There was an ice cap in view. The rest was clouds. The ice cap, by its existence and circular shape, proved that the planet rotated at a not unreasonable rate. The fact that it was water ice told much. A water ice ice cap said that there were no poisonous gases in the planet's atmosphere. Sulfur dioxide or chlorine, for example, would not allow the formation of water ice. It would have to be sulfuric acid or hydrochloric acid ice. But the ice cap was simple snow. Its size, too, told about temperature distribution on the planet. A large cap would have meant a large area with Arctic and subarctic temperatures with small temperate and tropical climate belts. A small one like this meant wide tropical and subtropical zones. The fact was verified by the thick, dense cloud masses which covered most of the surface, all the surface, in fact, outside the ice cap. But since there were ice caps, there would be temperate regions. In short, the ice cap proved that a man could endure the air and temperature conditions he would find. Moran observed these things from the control room of the Nadine, then approaching the world on planetary drive. He was to be left here, with no reason ever to expect rescue. Two of the Nadine's four-man crew watched out the same ports as the planet seemed to approach. Burleigh said encouragingly, "'It doesn't look too bad, Moran.' Moran disagreed, but he did not answer. He cocked an ear instead. He heard something. It was a thin, wobbling, keening whine. No natural radiation sounds like that. Moran nodded toward the old band speaker. Do you hear what I do? He asked sardonically. Burleigh listened. A distinctly artificial signal came out of the speaker. It wasn't a voice signal. It wasn't an identification beacon, such as are placed on certain worlds for the convenience of interstellar skippers who need to check their courses on extremely long runs. This was something else. Burleigh said, Hmm, call the others, Harper. Harper, prudently with him in the control room, put his head into the passage leading away. He called. But Moran observed with grudging respect that he didn't give him a chance to do anything drastic. These people on the Nadine were capable. They had managed to recapture the Nadine from him, but they were matter-of-fact about it. They didn't seem to resent what he had tried to do, or that he had brought them an indefinite distance in an indefinite direction from their last landing point, and they had still to relocate themselves. 
that had been on Corius III and had gotten departure clearance from its spaceport. With clearance papers in order, they could land unquestioned at any other spaceport and take off again, provided the other spaceport was one they had clearance for. Without rigid control of space travel, any criminal anywhere could escape the consequences of any crime, simply by buying a ticket to another world. Moran couldn't have bought a ticket, but he'd tried to get off the planet Corius on the Nadine. The trouble was that the Nadine had clearance papers covering five persons aboard, four men and a girl, Carol. Moran made six. Wherever the yacht landed, such a disparity between its documents and its crew would spark an investigation. A lengthy, incredibly minute investigation. Moran, at least, would be picked out as a fugitive from Corius III.